Well, today uh, we are actually going to talk about the power of influence. And you know, if I were to take a poll, come down and just start asking each and every one of you, start talking to you and ask you the question, what comes to your mind when you think of the power of influence? What's the first thing that comes to your mind? The interesting thing is, is many of you would answer with a variety of different things. Different things would come to your mind. For example, some of you might say, well, you know, Daniel, when I think of the power of influence, I think of government. I mean, come on. I mean, we, we got mayors. We got uh, senators and representatives. Uh, we got governors. We got House of, the Speaker of the House. We got the president. We got all these political chairs that are being filled that have a massive impact on us, they have great power of influence on this nation, and even not just this nation, but think about all the other nations that we influence. You got the Supreme Court, the Supreme Court justices, massive influence upon our society, right? And still, others of you, if I were to ask you the question, you'd say, Well, Daniel, media. I mean, come on, how many of you think when you think the power of influence, you're thinking media, you're thinking newspapers, you're thinking radio, you're thinking televisions, you're thinking the internet. I mean, argumentatively, I mean, I think we might all agree that the internet's probably the most powerful vessel tool that's used today to influence. Everyone's using it, right? Social media sites, we're utilizing, these things are very influential, and still others would say, well, you know, Dan, when I think of the power of influence, I think of the universities. This is what I think of, because you, you think about what happens to these kids, these young men and women as they go off to college, and immediately as they start walking in the door, they're being handed literature, they're being handed textbooks, which they didn't select. They didn't have a choice in the matter. They're given this, and then they sit in front of a professor with a profound ability to influence them. These professors weaving in and out their ideologies on a variety of different topics, whether it be science or economics, uh, sex, religion, all of these things, these, this, the ideology is being woven into the tapestry. It's just, it's pretty incredible. We can talk about government, that's influential. We can talk about media, we can talk about universities. All extremely influential for this you know where we're living at today but if i were to ask others who are musicians they would tell you music daniel you have no idea how influential music can be and actually i, I do i do realize that you think about this that music is so tied strongly to the heart to emotions that we feel, you know, the longer I live on this planet, the more I see the reality of how powerful emotions are and how they dictate our actions. And music can be the conduit to that very thing. I mean, think about what goes with rock and roll, sex, drugs, and rock and roll, right? These things happen on this side. On the other side, we could also say, well, wait a second. The most beautiful worship of the Holy One of Israel happens and healings take place during worship, when people are worshiping the creator. And so when you think about the power of influence, yes, music, is that legit? Absolutely. And still others would just say, well, what about religion? 
What about Islam? What about Christianity? What about Judaism? What about Buddhism? We could just keep going down the line. What about the imams, the rabbis, the pastors? Don't forget them. They have a profound ability to influence the minds and hearts of the people. And to that, I say, absolutely. I would agree. Here's what's fascinating to me. I could ask you the question, what comes to your mind when you think of the power of influence? And some of these, if not all of these, would come to your mind. But you know what the one that never makes the list? This is just interesting, is you. When you think of the power of influence, the one you don't think about is me. And you'd be like, well, Danny, you don't understand. I don't hold political office. I don't hold any position of power and authority. I'm not a professor. I'm not a Bible teacher. I'm not a pastor. Why would I ever think that I have the power to influence anybody? You would be deceived. You would be seriously, did you are, if you subscribe to that, you are deceived. The first thing that should come to our mind, all of these things are true. All of these things are extremely influential and we need to be mindful of them. But the first thing that should come to your mind is yourself. There was a pastor, early 1900s, His name is Clarence McCartney. He tells this story. He's a Presbyterian pastor. He tells this story where a man actually dreamt. He didn't say he literally went there. This man dreamt that he went to hell. Very, very powerful experience. But what's interesting is what he experienced in this dream, what he was confronted with. I want to share this story with you. And this is how it goes. And this is the pastor telling the story. A man once dreamed that he was in hell. When asked to give an account of what he had seen, if there were flames there and suffering there and wrecked and malign creatures with whom he had to associate, and if the place resounded with oaths of blasphemy, he said, yes, but there was something far worse than that. I was compelled to face my influence. I mean, just think about this concept of what he's saying here. I was compelled to face my influence. I knew that I deserved punishment, for I had scorned and rejected Yeshua HaMashiach, but my sorest pain was to see what the effect of my life had been upon others. Let that sink in for a second. This man goes through his entire life, no idea. He's completely oblivious to the fact of all the people he's impacted and all the people he's influenced. Unfortunately, not for good. You know, whether or not this guy legitimately had this dream, it doesn't matter because I'm going to tell you the reality of this, this concept exists here. It exists in scripture. Read the teachings of Yeshua and you will find out there's going to be a lot of people surprised at the end of the age who had no idea of the influence that they had on people. Read Matthew 25. Simple point I want to make is you do not want to be this guy. You do not want to be confronted with something you were completely oblivious to, where you were affecting people in a negative way for the bad. Well, I want to bring some awareness to this topic because I want to, I I really want you to appreciate just how influential you are. And I mean every single person in this room, young and old, I don't care what position you hold in society, it doesn't matter. I'm telling you, you have great 
power and you want to acknowledge this power. Amen. You realize, I'm going to tell you something. When you realize that you possess this power, it's going to have an immense effect on your words that you speak to each other. It's going to impact the things that you do. It's going to impact how you respond to certain situations. It's going to impact the decisions you make in life when you appreciate the reality that you have this awesome power to influence. With that said, I want to take you to Paul's epistle to the Thessalonians. And I really want to just begin today to show you the power of influence, what that looks like for the good. We're going to really stay positive today. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 6, And you became followers of us and of the Lord, having received the word, and look at this, and I'm going to highlight this in two different colors, because there's two different thoughts here, in much affliction, but with the joy of the Holy Spirit. Now try to ponder that for a second. Just ponder this statement. You received the word of Yeshua. You received him. You made commitment to him. But is much affliction, trials, tribulation, persecutions. One would think the response would be very bad, very negative in the sense that no, 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 I'm gonna start complaining. I'm gonna start mourning. I'm gonna start blaming others for the things that I'm actually going through. Worse yet, I'm gonna blame God. Why is this happening to me? And yet the Thessalonians are under all this persecution and affliction. And Paul says, they're doing it with the joy of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to tell you something. There's only one way you can have joy when you are in trials and tribulations and persecution, and that is to have the Holy Spirit. They had that joy. Very, very powerful. Now, continuing on. So that you became examples to all in Macedonia and in, uh, in, um, a in, in the Greek, Achaia, who believe, for from you the word of the Lord has sounded forth, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also, listen to this, in every place. Was not limited geographically. It went out everywhere. We're talking global. This went out, their faith went out global. Your faith toward God has gone out so that we do not need to say anything. So Paul comes along, you don't need me to go around boasting of what you're going through and how well you're clinging to the faith because your faith is already doing it. It's reverberating. Your faith is reverberating out to the entire world. Now, I want you to consider something for a second. The Thessalonians up to this point probably had no idea of the effects that all they're thinking in their mind, I need to serve the Lord Yeshua. He died for my sins and I'm going to commit my life to him I'm going to embrace this joy of the new covenant of the Ruach HaKodesh, the Holy Spirit coming upon me. And I'm going to go and praise and empower. And I'm just going to do what he tells me to do. And it's very narrow. It's just looking at Yeshua all the while their faith is going out to people. They never intended it to go out to their testimony is going out. It's hitting a target. They never thought of that. They don't even see to people. They don't even know. I want you to think about that testimony. I want you to think about that power. The power of influence. And all they were doing was following the Lord. Man, to me, that is, 
it, it changes your perspective. It changes your perspective on just walking with the Lord. And though with our own eyes, we don't see, may see a whole lot going on, you have no idea. I'm going to jump ahead a little bit here and show you the extent by which their influence went. This is powerful. Going to chapter 3, verse 5. For this reason, when I could no longer endure it, I sent to know your faith, lest by some means the tempter had tempted you, and our labor might be in vain. But now that Timothy has come to us from you and brought us good news of your faith and love, and that you always have good remembrance of us, greatly desiring to see us, as we also to see you, I mean, this is true brotherhood. This is true kinship. Moving to verse 7. Therefore, brethren, in all our affliction and distress, listen to this, we were comforted concerning you by your faith. For now we live if you stand fast in the Lord. So not only were these Thessalonians influencing the world, now we actually find they're making an impact on the apostles themselves. Specifically, the Apostle Paul, who in his deep distress, in his affliction, what happened? When he just heard of their faith at the right time, at the right moment, it gave him the strength he needed. It gave him strength to endure what he was going through, that they had not forsaken Yeshua, despite what they were going through. That's what I call the power of influence. I mean, even on the apostles. Let me take you to Paul's epistle to the Philippians. And this is what we read. And we're going to see in this passage that Paul's own life and his own afflictions really affected. It reverberated out. But I want you to know, brethren, that the things which happened to me have actually turned out for the furtherance of the gospel. So that it has become evident to the whole palace guard and to all the rest that my chains are in Mashiach. And most of the brethren in the Lord, having become confident by my chains, listen to this, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. You see the impact here? Do you see the influence? The Apostle Paul, he's thrown in jail for preaching. He is being persecuted. He's being afflicted. And what happens? The exact opposite of what you would think. Did the believers scatter, run, and hide? These believers did not hide. They got more bold. They were strengthened. They were emboldened to proclaim the gospel of Yeshua because there's Paul in jail singing praises to the Lord. And they see his joy. They see the power. They see how the Lord is with him. They're strengthened. His actions, indirect. See, this is not just a direct man to man where my actions or my words speaking directly to you. That's not the situation. It's beyond that. It's indirect. They just see his actions following the Lord and it's profound. It gives them strength. It gives them power to be bold. Do not think that one man cannot change the world. One man can change the world. He did. Yeshua did. Twelve men, twelve men went out preaching it. And look at the world today. Millions of people calling upon the name of Yeshua. We do not appreciate the power that we can have, that we do have. When we walk with Yeshua, when we proclaim truth in love, one thing I know, and I don't care what your eyes see, things happen. 
especially in the spiritual realm, which eventually manifests themselves into the physical realm. Directly or indirectly. Your diligence with the Lord. You just walking out, keeping his commandments, loving him, praying to him. Do you understand that if you just walk with him, you will influence all those around you and even those you've never seen. And you know what's amazing is, is when you make good decisions and you make sacrifices and you give to others, it's going to strengthen them to do the same. And you don't even know it. That wasn't your intent. Your intent's to follow the Lord. But your boldness, your dedication, your integrity, your sincerity, it's going to come through. And people are going to, I want to do that. I want to be like him. I want to be like her. She is so loving. She's so supportive. It's going to reverberate. It's going to influence. You have that. Let me give you another example. And for this one, I want to take you to 2 Corinthians. But before we do, I need to set the stage. And I'm actually going to take you to 1 Corinthians and show you who the Corinthians are. See, now this is important because I kind of began today talking about it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter if you hold political office or hold some position of authority. It doesn't matter. You have the power of great influence. Well, I want to show you who the Corinthians were. And who, Paul's very frank about it. Listen to what he says in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 26. For you see your calling, brethren, that not many wise according to the flesh, that not many mighty, not many noble are called. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things which are mighty. Now, I'd love to bend there as they're reading this and saying, what are you saying, Paul? That we're a bunch of nobodies, right? I mean, not many are wise. What, what, we don't have anyone intellectual here at all. None of us are mighty. None of us come from nobility. We're a bunch of nobodies. The reality is, is they were in the world's eyes. What the world esteems, what the world values, they were nothing. See, that's the beauty of the Lord. He takes the weak and he raises them up. To be the strong. He takes the, the, the ones that are not intellectual, the ones who aren't wise, to raise them up to be the wisest of all. And you think he takes the ones that are the oscourging and he brings them to nobility. You think about how the Lord operates. This is how he operates. So now that you understand who the Corinthians are, let me take you to 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and show you their influence. Now that you know that in the world standards, they're nobodies. Second Corinthians chapter nine. Now concerning the ministering to the saints, it is superfluous for me to write to you. You know, there are times where why choose these words, right? I mean, superfluous. Nobody knows what that means. Typically, there's no need for this. Just say it's unnecessary. All right. It's unnecessary for me to write to you. For I know your willingness about which, uh, which I boast of you to the Macedonians that Achaia, which Corinth is in the providence of Achaia, okay? Achaia was ready a year ago, and listen to this, and your zeal has stirred up the majority. Well, think about that statement. 
He, Paul is bringing to the, again, the Corinthians, like the Thessalonians, they probably had no idea of the effect their faith had, the zeal that they had for Yeshua, and this fact that they are moving in love, in generosity, as you're going to see. I mean, this is really, really powerful. Dropping down to verse 10. Now may he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food, supply and multiply the seed you have sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness while you are enriched in everything for all liberality, which causes thanksgiving through us to God. Verse 12. For the administration of this service not only supplies the needs of the saints, but also is abounding through many thanksgivings to God. While through the proof of this ministry, what happens? They glorify God. The recipients of their love are glorifying God for the obedience of your confession to the gospel of Mashiach and for your liberal sharing with them and all men. So look at what happens when these nobodies, they get together and they walk out the faith and they do it through love, through generosity. It's profound. When your actions are provoking people to give glory to Yeshua, I'm going to tell you something right now. You are doing it right. You are walking with the Lord. That is fruit that lasts into eternity. I mean, this is the kind of influence that we want to have on one another. And guess what? The best part of this is, is when others... And circling back to this concept, when others see your actions, when they even hear of your righteous deeds that you are performing, what is it going to do? It is going to strengthen them to do the same. You understand? Righteousness is contagious. When we love someone, just when we have a good attitude, we have a good attitude in, in a situation where we could all have bad attitudes, it's powerful. It's influential. We walk the walk. When we talk the talk, we will make an impact for the good. We will have influence. Seen and unseen. Ephesians 4.29. I love what Paul says here. Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth. Now, why would he say that? Because he knows the influence that it will have on others. He knows the damage that it's going to inflict. But he says, but what is good for necessary edification? Oikarame in, in, in the Greek, and it means for building. Okay? We're to speak words necessary for building up. We're to edify them. That it may impart grace to the hearers. Think about that for a second. When you speak what is good, what is right, what is edifying and building up and encouraging your neighbor, you are imparting grace. Not just to the recipient, him or herself, but to all the hearers, you are imparting grace. We need to start looking at our mouths as gates. These are gates. We can open this gate for heaven or this gate can open and out will come hell. Life and death is in the power of the tongue. Proverbs 18, life and death. When it says that, what does it tell you about this gate? What does it tell you about your tongue? The power, great power to influence. It's life and death. We speak, it's life and death. And how many, like myself, have foolishly not recognized the reality, not recognized the power. 
Life and death. You think about, I mean, let's just get it on, on a practical level for a second. A husband can speak words to his wife to build into her, to make her, to, to, to incite and inspire his wife to become more of a Proverbs 31 woman, to draw closer to the Lord, to be better friends to, her, to his sisters, to be a better friend, to, to be a better mother. He has so much power that he can so enter, he can bring her to a completely different place. And yet I can tell you, in a matter of seconds, he can destroy her. Life and death in the power of the tongue, that's the power of influence. He can destroy, he can emotionally cripple his wife. To where we, we all know that there are many women who will come out and say, I would rather be physically abused than verbal abuse that I put up with. Life and death is in the power of the tongue. It's very powerful. We need to be careful as husbands. How are we influencing our wife? You know, flip that over. And you've heard me talk about this, wives. You have no idea how much power you have. I'm probably going to get into this next week. But you have no idea. You need to build and influence your husband for righteousness. He needs encouragement. He needs your words. The Lord saw that it was not good for man to be alone. He needs to draw from your strength. You need to push him to the Lord. Do not sit in the back seat and say, I can't talk to him. He's a complete idiot. I've had enough. Total moron. He doesn't listen to anything. You've given up. And it's going to cost you. You need to start asking him, honey, I would love to sit down. Will you read the Bible with me? I'll read and you can just listen. Honey, can we pray? Honey, I'd like you to come to church today. Honey, is there something that I can do? Is there something I can pray for for you? How can I help you? All of these things are building into your husband and they're strengthening your home. The moment you sit back and do nothing, you're dying. Your marriage is dying. You have no idea how much power you have. You can destroy your husband with silence. You can destroy him in a matter of seconds with your words. Emotionally crippling him. Doubting himself. Tearing him away from you. Tearing him away from the family. Maybe pushing him away from the Lord. The worst of it all. Life and death is in the power of the tongue. And I mean, we could go on in the practical application here with parents. You want to know the power of influence? Parents, we don't need to sit our children down and specifically teach them things for them to learn from us. This is an indirect thing. All they need to do is, how does dad treat mom? How does mom treat dad? How do mom and dad respond to stressful situations? They start kicking the dog? And cussing and blaming other people? Is that how mom and dad deal? Do they start yelling? Guess what, mom and dad? That's how the kids are going to do it. That's the power of influence. And it didn't take you just to sit down and I want to teach you how to yell at other people. It's you living your life. The decisions you're making, the words that you are speaking are influencing others. It's an absolute fact. When we... I'm going to tell you right now, when we're blind to this, to this power, 
when we have no idea of the power that we possess to influence others around us, the devil is laughing at us. He loves it. The devil absolutely loves you to be completely in the dark in regard to the impact that you're making. Not just for good, primarily for evil. The devil doesn't want you to know when you're impacting your wife negatively or the wife is impacting the the husband negatively. He wants you to be blind to that. He doesn't want you to know how you're impacting your fellow congregants or your your fellow employees at work, wherever you're at. He wants to blind you to your influence for the bad. Oh, he, he really wants to save that little surprise for the end so that when you're at the end, you can be confronted with the influence that you had on others. That's scary. The devil's going to try to get you to believe that your words have no power, that your actions don't really matter. They don't influence anyone. You're a nobody. Who's going to listen to you anyways? Do not listen to him. Don't buy the lie because he's trying to pitch it to you. Don't buy it. Your words, your actions, they matter. They do influence and they influence more than you know. You will not know the extent that your words have fallen or your actions have fallen until it's revealed at the end of the age. But you can become aware of it so that there's not too many horrible surprises for you, but rather good surprises at the end. You know, all you need to do is go through scripture and we are reminded of this reality over and over and over again. The reality of our influence, the importance of our influence. Let me give you an example. Hebrews 3.13. But exhort, and I've highlighted this word exhort, parakaleo in the Greek, and it's, it's oftentimes translated as comfort, okay? We're to comfort one another daily. This is talking about in an action. This is talking about influence. While it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. I want you to think about something. Look at the power of influence, the power that we have. The fact that we can come alongside our brothers and our sisters and we're actually told to do it. Why? So that they don't fall into sin. We're protecting them. We're lifting them up. Encouragement, and it's required daily. You know how this can actually unfold on a practical way? It could be simply you sending a text message, taking two seconds, sending a text message to someone that you thought about as you were reading the word, and you just want to send this verse over. You have no idea how powerful that is. There could be extremes of difference of when he receives that word from the Lord, a a word that he needed, maybe it prevents him from taking his life that day. Maybe it presents uh, a situation where the dog doesn't get kicked when he gets home. And that all the things that he's going to go through on that day, they're not going to be so hard. You know why? Because he was encouraged by the Lord. He has the strength of the Lord. And so he's not going to carry a bad attitude. He's going to respond on a whole different way. And look at the domino effect. Just one little text message, one verse can have, then he treats other people with patience and with kindness because it's been sown in him. He has the ability to do that. He has the strength to do that. And those people go do the same. It's contagious. 
The influence of the faith, when we are walking it out, it is contagious and it is powerful. Maybe it's a situation where you just pick up the phone or you send an email and say, I was just thinking about you. I'm praying for you. I love you. Husbands, goes a long way when you just send your wife just a quick three word, I love you. The kids will thank you later, Right? That could change a woman's whole perspective when she feels that then she's got the strength to give more. She has the strength to overcome. Pretty soon, you know, the kid dumping the the table over and the the cheerio is going all over. Well, dad just sent her a thing that says, I love you. And she's like, well, that's not a big deal because she's loved. She feels secure. She has strength and it's the strength of the Lord because the Lord designed marriage for this very thing. Or a wife sending this to her husband during the day. I just wanted to let you know, I was thinking I love you. You have no idea how far that goes with your man and how it could change his, his terrible day that was going on and totally flip it upside down. So powerful. I want to take you to a story. I, I love this story uh, for multiple reasons. There's so many different ways we could look at this story. But I want to share a story with you on how important it is that you not only surround yourself with good influence, with good friends, but just how powerful your influence can be when you're not in a situation. You're not in a situation of authority per se, but you're in a subservient situation. I mean, this is just extremely powerful. And did we lose the computer, Dan? Okay, so you'll get it back up. While he's doing that, I'm just going to start. I'm going to break into this. And this is 2 Kings chapter 5, verse 1. I'll reiterate it again, 2 Kings chapter 5, verse 1. The story begins this way. Now Naaman, commander of the army of the king of Assyria, was a great and honorable man in the eyes of his master. Because by him the Lord had given victory to Syria, he was also a mighty man of valor, but he was a leper. Okay, so we learn a lot about this Naaman, and I'm going to try not to rabbit trail too far, but this guy has got it going on. He is, he is a man of integrity. He's a great man, honorable man, as the text says. Now we continue in verse 2, and this is what we read. And the Syrians had gone out on raids. And had brought back captive a young girl from the land of Israel. And she waited on Naaman's wife. Then she said to her mistress, if only my master were with the prophet who is in Samaria. She's referring to Elisha. Okay. For he would heal him of his leprosy. It's amazing. (laughs) The power of influence, this domino effect that is going to happen. She simply speaks to her wife in total faith. Oh, if... If our master would know the prophet that I know in Israel, he'd heal him. Well, let's continue as we go into verse 9. Then Naaman went with his horses and chariot, and he stood at the door of of Elisha's house. Okay, so Naaman, he takes heed to this council. This is influence, right? So he takes heed to this council, this little girl, nobody. She's a servant, all right? And he shows up at the door of Elisha's house, moving to verse 10. And Elisha sent a messenger to him saying, go and wash in the Jordan seven times and your flesh shall be restored to you and you shall be clean. But Naaman became furious and went away 
and said, Indeed, I said to myself, he will surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God and wave his hand over the place and heal the leprosy. Again, I don't want a rabbit trail, but I can't pass this up without talking about this. Notice Naaman had it in his mind exactly how the Lord is going to move. I have a preconceived notion. This is how the Lord's going to do it. This is my expectation. And that's how it's going to go down because I said so. Now, I want to tell you something. This is just my own experience. The way I think things should go, the way I want things to go in ministry, how everything should go, guess what? Never happens. Never happens. I couldn't be more wrong. Let's just say that. You know, you think about the passage in Isaiah, who has known uh, the, the, the passage says, who has known the mind of the Lord? And, and then as you get into Isaiah, it specifically talks about his ways are higher than our ways, his thoughts higher than our thoughts. Well, I'm going to tell you with all humility, I've discovered that. The Lord is not taking counsel from me. Okay? He doesn't take counsel from man. We have to look to him. We have to be open. And so here you see Naaman's enraged. And I got to be honest with you. I would be a liar to say I was upset because I was, I've never been upset that things haven't gone the way I want them to go. I would be a liar. I, I can appreciate this story more than you know. So he becomes upset. This is not how it's supposed to go. And so he explains himself in verse 12. Are not the um, Abana and the Parfar... The rivers of Damascus better than all the waters of Israel. Could I not wash in them and be clean? So he turned and went away enraged. He's livid. This is nonsense to him. This is not the way I envisioned it. This is not how this is supposed to go down. Again, not knowing the mind of the Lord. But here's where we get to the point. Here's where we really get to the power of influence. Look at at what happens next. Because one thing we know. This guy goes away enraged. Guess what's not going to happen? He's never going to be healed. Ever. But look at what happens. And his servants came near and spoke to him and said, My father, you want to talk about a relationship? There's so much going on here on how awesome these servants are. Servants of integrity and how much they truly love their master. I mean, this is an amazing relationship. You can understand why Naaman would have these servants. They really care about him. I mean, this, this relationship is the brotherhood. And they said, my father, if the prophet had told you to do something great, would you not have done it? How much more than when he says to you, wash and be clean? The power of influence. These servants, they were nothing more than servants, come to him, speak to him words of life. And because they did that, They had that power of influence. He actually was healed. He heeded their voice and he became healed. He went and dipped in the Jordan seven times. His flesh, as the text says, became as a little child. And then, that's not the end of the story. I didn't put it up here. That's not the end of the story. Simply by these servants having the power of influence upon their master for good, Then what proceeds next is amazing. Then he declares there is no God but the God of Israel. They were a part of that declaration, that proclamation that he made confessing there is no God but the God of Israel. It's the power of influence. So powerful. Proverbs 13, 20, which really 
fits in with this story. He who walks with wise men will be wise. Talk about influence. Do you want to be wise? Be careful who you surround yourselves by. Walk with the wise men. Don't walk with the fools. Because the companion of fools, they're going to die. Influence matters. And it's happening whether you want to believe it or not. Every day. Every day we go through life, it's happening. Proverbs eleven fourteen: Where there is no counsel, the people fall. But in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. Name and story proves this. He was amidst the multitude of counselors, those who spoke life, and frankly speaking, those who had faith. Do you think they would have said what they said to go dip in the Jordan if they didn't believe it was going to happen? They believed. I mean, this story is profound. So powerful. I want to leave you with one more example. I saved this one for last for a particular reason. This example shows the power of your testimony. The power that your testimony has on other people. On your relationship with the Lord. Things, and when I say personal testimony and testimony, I'm talking about things that you have experienced with the Lord. And the importance of sharing that testimony. You know, the leadership has been talking. One thing we have lacked in this community, and we are so far from perfect. We have so so much to grow in. We have a lot to go here. One of the things we are lacking is so much power. The power of testimony. We're going to be incorporating more testimonies because it unlocks very powerful doors. Very powerful doors. For example, an example I'm going to give you here is in John chapter 4. Most of you know the story of the Samaritan woman at the well, right? If you don't, it's in chapter 4 of the Gospel of John. But Yeshua comes to her, and I'm just giving you the flyover version, and he tells her that he gives living water. That what he has is living, Mayim Chaim, he has living water that springs to eternal life. And the Samaritan woman says, give me this water. And Yeshua says, fair enough, go call your husband. And she says, well, I don't have a husband. And he says, oh, I know, you've had five husbands. Blew her mind. She was dumbfounded that he just revealed her entire past in a matter of seconds. He knew everything he could see inside her soul, if you will. And her next words are, I perceive you are a prophet. Now, the conversation continues, and she says, well, I know that when the Messiah comes, he's going to tell us all things. He goes, I who speak to you am he. Again, took her back. So what she do? She goes into the city, and she starts telling the men the testimony, her testimony with Yeshua. I want to show you how this ended. And many of the Samaritans of that city believed in him. Why? Because of the word of the woman who testified, he told me all that I ever did. Think about that for a second. All she did is went into the city and said, this is what the Lord has done for me. This is what has happened. It was so powerful. Such power of influence. They went and got saved. They called on the name of Yeshua. You think about that. We need to start sharing our testimonies. The beautiful things that the Lord is doing in our lives, it blesses other people to the point it can take them out of the pit of hell. That's powerful. 